0: Hello and welcome back to Stories RPG, the podcast where we tell stories better together. And today I am joined by the the incredible uh the amazing, the 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 masterful storyteller Scriv the Bard. Everyone in the crowd goes wild. <sighs>
1: Hello. Wow, that was the least like, the most like Hello counter, everyone. Um... <laughs> My name is Script the Bard, and compliments make me uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> I'm the same way, um, uh, but I'm liberal are. with dispensing them to others. Yeah, You I get are. You
1: certainly are. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here, though.
0: Yay! Yeah, and I wanted to... So, everyone, today, I'm going to talk to you because you may know that Scriv is uh, Dora on Luna Uni. You may know that Scriv is Animus from Giga City Guardians. What you may not know is that Scriv is also a story game designer, and she builds games, much like Stories RPG, that help people tell stories. And I wanted to give y'all a chance to find out a little bit more about how she does the amazing storytelling that she does. So I'm Michael, and uh, as always, this is Stories RPG, Right Light. So um everyone, I, I mentioned that Scriv has made a lot of a lot of different amazing creative projects and is on other shows, um, being um, other roles. Can you give us a little background about how you really got into storytelling? Sure.
1: Yeah. Uh well it all began. <laughs> uh actually when I Long was a kid. Ago. Yeah, it I actually began when I was a child. Um so I grew up the eldest. Uh, amongst my mm. brothers and sisters and I learned how to read um, pretty quickly I got to the point where as soon as I learned how to read I just devoured books and my mother said yep. okay that's it I can't buy you books anymore we're going to the library here's your first library <laughs> you card <laughs> The library um, and I, I enjoyed consuming all of these different stories and learning these different things. Mm-hmm. And I actually became like uh, the bedtime storyteller in my house for for my sisters. So we would have. So a tradition. you were recruited
0: at a familial level. Yeah, I was like storyteller <laughs> from the from the jump.
1: Yeah. Well, and and you know, not not all of the kids enjoyed uh, consuming books. Uh, at the yep. rate that I did, that's something that my mother and I actually shared, uh, all throughout, mm. uh, our, our lives. Um, but you know, it was a lot more fun for little sisters to hear someone reading a story to them and using silly voices, uh, yeah. and, and making funny little songs out of them than it was for them to just sit there and stare at a themselves. So whether it was bedtime stories and we, we had a, a tradition Christmas Eve, I would like be recruited as Santa's helper and mm-hmm. tell bedtime stories and we would have like the summer party. So they would go to sleep. Oh, that's, awesome.
0: <laughs> that's awesome though. That sounds amazing.
1: Yeah. And, and then as I got older, I uh, started to come up with stories of my own. So I, I wrote and I had all mm-hmm. of those wonderfully embarrassing, uh, you know, journals filled with stories and short stories that I never finished or different scenes that would pop into your head, but then you never really figure out how to use later on. I have so many unfinished stories and I still keep, I still have them to this day. Dude, that's amazing. That's, a, that's crucial though. I'm um, a little bit cringy there. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's just, it was so much fun. Yeah.
0: There you go. Never ever feel ashamed of your stories. (laughs) They can be maudlin. They can be weird. Like I don't know. I think that's that's a piece of of storytelling that like we forget. Mm. As once you get once you love storytelling enough to keep doing it, you forget about that initial challenge that a lot of a lot of people have to telling stories, which is feeling self conscious. About themselves as storytellers, and mm. like, oh, maybe this is a dumb story. Maybe it's not a good. Story. Never. I, I I always tell all my students. I'm like, never worry about whether it's a good story. Are you having fun writing it? Write it. Are you having fun reading matters. it? Read it. Mm. Don't ever judge yourself or anybody else. Like, just do the thing.
1: It takes a while to to learn that, but once you do, you're right. It's so it's so liberating. And once I finally got, you know, I I finally accepted the idea that. Your first draft is never the final draft. You're not writing for anyone yeah. but yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just write it down. Do the train of thought exercises and just just go into it. Uh, and it's, it's very, very freeing.
0: Yeah, I think that's part of why I liked storytelling with games so much yes. is they kind of freed me a little bit from feeling really important um, mm-hmm. or like really a lot of pressure to perform for some invisible audience because instead, right. I was just hanging out with my friends, and we were talking and making things up.
1: Yeah, you, you don't have those thoughts of, oh, no, some unnamed faceless person out there might not like my story.
0: <laughs> and who cares if they don't? You know, like, that's the thing. Everything <laughs> is not for everybody. You can go ahead and write the thing that's just for yeah. you and your friends. But <laughs> that's that actually so that leads me to another question. So this is kind of key also to making making games that help people tell stories is that question of like how do you decide what makes a story stick cuz stories as play are great but i know you've right. had this experience because i think we both have of when you play through a story game there are moments where you know of course you're having fun you're laughing you're making you know wise cracks you're coming up with weird situations but there are sometimes moments that are very similar to the moments you have in a really a really great book or a really a really yes. moving movie where you, you like kind of like take me, I got moved, you know, like you feel a thing, mm-hmm. the character's experience, even though you're the, you're part of the person writing it, you have those moments. What do you think it is that creates those moments or that makes those stories stick?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, sorry, that's a deep question. No, I didn't it's it's, on, but I was it's like,
1: such a good question. Uh, and yes, it's something that I know you and I have both thought about a lot both in our, our writing game design and, and in like Giga city and Uni. <laughs> like not that yeah. you deliberately try to create those moments every time, but I know there are so many times where I'll have that kind of skin tingling kind of woman, like, Ooh, yeah, ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. Feeling something. And for me, that's what it is. A, a good story. I don't care about the genre, if it's fiction or nonfiction, whatever it may be. if, It does one of two things, ideally two, like both of the things, right? If it makes you feel something or if it makes you think about something differently, not just, oh, I've learned something new, but kind of like one of those aha moments is like, oh, 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 I didn't think about it like that before. (laughs) That's a skin tingling moment for me too. I got to loop
0: back then because like, okay. I agree 100%. Those are the things. <laughs> How do you engineer that? Cuz I think that's part of the pressure we put on ourselves as storytellers. Like yes. a lot of people get stopped before they start cuz they're like, "Wow." You know, if if you're if you're a lover of stories, if you're somebody who's fallen in love with great narratives, and I would argue everyone is. Like like you said earlier, some kids might might not have been into books. They're only not into books because they haven't gotten to the point where the reading Is so automatic that they just fall into the story that they can pick up up a book and they're in it, and they don't have to think about okay, wait, 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 like what's going on? What's that word? So, I think everyone naturally loves stories, and everyone loves books once they're fluent readers. Uh, If you're really good at reading, you can't you can't not love a book. Um, No, (laughs) but that 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 feeling of like how do I create that spine ting? You know that moment of real emotional intensity or real shifting of perspective where you're like, wow, I. Because of what I just, the experience I had in that book or that story changed the way I think about the real world, which is so powerful. I think that's
1: a much more difficult one. (laughs) Yeah. I I would say that it is way more difficult to write something that you think will fundamentally change someone's worldview. And I would say from a psychology point of view, it's very hard to change someone's worldview anyway, without the right kind of emotional connection as well. So I, I think if you can make someone feel something first, then maybe you yeah. can introduce some of those other things. But I, I think it comes a little bit, I'm not saying it's easy, but it's a little bit yeah. more attainable to write something, to create an environment in which someone can feel mm. something. Because ultimately, no matter what your walk of life is, we all experience very similar ranges of emotions. Um, and that's why you see, especially in the storytelling across culture is a lot of very similar mirror elements.
0: That's totally, I mean, yeah, for everybody out there, if you haven't, you know, there's so many books on this, but yeah, there are some certain, there are certain narratives humans love. Yes. Um, there's a lot of like <laughs> youngest children who are abandoned, but then come back to blah, blah, blah. Yeah. There's a lot of, yeah. The
1: found family. Dis- that's it self-discovery learning something new about yourself or or you know something the reunions all of those things that that just get a tear in your eye
0: so on the like making someone feel something right when you feel something i think that's about vulnerability right yeah like if you are if you feel a real emotion if you sh- and even more if you're in a story and you, you share that emotion with someone whether it's the someone on the page or whether it's your friends in a, you know, when you're telling a story or the people you're watching a movie with, it bonds you because you're being vulnerable in front of them. And that's like, that's the ultimate way that you build trust, right? Is you're vulnerable with someone yeah. else. And then you learn that you can trust them with that, with that real emotion. And then you feel like, okay, thank you. I, I, <laughs> I, I feel good that I'm connected with you. So like so, maybe that's the question in game design. Because I wanted to talk a little bit about Bard RPG, because you have yeah. some amazing things in your role playing you. game that are like, no, they're so cool. I'm sorry, you did unbelievable stuff. Because this is so, if you think about what an author's job is, and I just want to back up for everyone listening, because this is two people who like to make storytelling games talking to each other, and we could very easily float away yep. in our terminology. <laughs> but when you think about making a storytelling game, you're trying to create a system of tools and interactions that you can explain to players that aren't too complicated, right? Mm-hmm. But help them have those and create those emotionally bonding moments where they really feel like they are the characters and they really feel like those stories are real and they're moved by them and they can change their own and each other's worlds by telling those stories together. Um, If you can't tell everyone, both Scriv and I are very committed to the idea of story, game, play, changing people uh, in fundamental, (laughs) powerful ways that are awesome. Um, And, and, you know, there's people out there using them for therapy. These are really
1: transformative. That's something. So when it comes to, you know, what drew me to storytelling initially, the thing that drew me to game design was learning how they're used in therapy. And and uh, fostering about that. like good social skills and coping mechanisms in kids. Those were those were the things that I first started learning about because my background is in psychology and, and cultural psychology, and you know a lot of interest in mental health and and healing mm-hmm. and and all of that. Um, so I didn't make that jump into game design until one I finally discovered you know, things like Dungeons and Dragons, (laughs) it was introduced to it. But then I just, I went into every rabbit hole and uh, found out, Oh, Oh, this is used to, to help people who have suffered from trauma or anxiety or, or different things and child therapy. And, and it's, it, it just blew my mind. And that's, that's what hooked me into game design in those early days.
0: Well, I mean, and I, okay, I want to loop back to talking about the archetypes in Bard RPG in a yeah, second, yeah. which totally brings us all it together, all loops but together. I had one thing it that, it all, it all comes together. It's like a good story. <laughs> um, one thing that you made me think in there while you were, you were describing how it can really change people, um, is I think there's a weird concept and I don't know where, I don't know where this happened. Um, I don't know what era of our history to blame for this, but at some point somebody <laughs> decided fun and play were somehow unproductive and yeah. that they were sort of counter to doing important things that should involve Suffering and boredom. Capitalism. <laughs> I 100- is the word you're looking for. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> there you go. That's it. That's the one. Thank you. I that that cleared up. Cleared it up perfectly. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but it's so true, right? Like play is so transformative and learning playing around with other identities, being able to say, okay, yes. I'm not me. I'm this other person. That other person isn't as vulnerable and unsafe as you are. If you try to talk, because a lot of us, we, we, uh, it's hard to talk about the things that are true for you. It's sometimes hard to even be honest with yourself about what's really true for you. It is, but yeah. really good stories sort of are powered by that kind of honesty. So allowing yourself mm-hmm. to create an alter ego. This is my, this is my experimental self. I'm going to play with this self and decide which parts of my my personality to amplify and which to which to modify, it allows you to, in a safe way, in a fun way, access things and explore things that you might not feel comfortable doing Mm -hmm. with other people or even by yourself otherwise. And so creating games that help people do that is, it seems like to me, a form of like wizardry, you know, it's a magic trick (laughs) and it's one of the reasons I got into it and obsessed with it.
1: (laughs) It absolutely feels like magic. Because it can be so very powerful, whether you as a reader, as a consumer of stories, uh, or or someone who's experiencing the story will say, whether you just find a story that happens to resonate with you and with a certain process in your life that you either experienced in the past or something you're going through in that moment, um, something that can kind of help you feel that full range of emotions, positive, negative, regardless, they're all important. They are all. They yep, all they serve are. a purpose. They are all powerful. But being able to experience and feel and kind of process all of those different mm-hmm. complex emotions, while still having, I guess I'll call it plot armor. <laughs> That's not the typical use of the word plot armor, but while you have something cushioning you. <laughs>
0: yeah. Exactly. Giving you that that buffer zone of like this isn't me. Yes. Yeah. You said earlier. World building, like changing somebody's world, Mm. changing somebody's worldview is Mm. very hard. So if we want to talk about magic, okay, it's magical to change someone's worldview as a writer. Great. How much more magical is it to create a tool that lets people create their own stories so that they can change their own worldview for themselves? And that's what you did in BART RPG. So can you talk a little bit about... The way in which you created a system that helps people understand how characters, not just how to build a character who's interesting for you, Mm. but how to build a character who has a built-in story, Mm. who has a a particular arc that they want to explore. Because this is a key element to any great story is characters have to change. Um, I just heard, a—I think it was a film review yesterday where the criticism of the film was the beginning of the film is interesting because you're kind of exploring the world and getting to know the characters. And then they lose it because the characters don't change or develop or, yes. or have any journey in any meaningful way. And that's why the movie's kind of terrible was the, was the criticism of this movie. And I was like, oh, yes. And so many people can confuse <laughs> the idea of world and care. We make a bunch of interesting people and we make an interesting world. That's a great story, right? No, they have to grow. And otherwise, if they don't, right. I'm not going to be moved. And your tactic, your approach for creating, for helping people decide on what their character is going to, how their character is going to grow. I think it's just so unique and brilliant. Um, So I wonder if you would talk about it.
1: (laughs) Thank you. I'm so happy to hear that. It's so affirming. And I, I agree, my preference is absolutely the kind of story where you see that growth. And if you're not changing the status quo, whether internally or externally in some way, was it an adventure? Now, sometimes I Mm -hmm. I definitely get it where people are leaning into the escapism of watching or reading or hearing a story and you want that assurance that certain things stay constant, right? I get that. Mm -hmm. And there are so many, you know, insert action movie franchise here, so many examples where you have the hero and you know they're always going to win. It's like, okay, that can be reassuring in, in its own way. I, I didn't want to do that with Bard because when it comes to TTRPGs, especially, and and when it comes to all ages, um, gaming, mm-hmm. I really wanted to encourage um, first and foremost self reflection, uh, even if it's through yes. the lens of an avatar of a character. So, what do you mean, even I if absolutely the, through, even if, especially if <laughs> I, especially. I I yes. I am still of the belief that any character I know for me, any character I create. Is going to have some sort of facet of myself in them.
0: Of course, you can't be anybody but yourself. Always, yeah. That's why I love being the storyteller.
1: <laughs> oh, it's so much fun, and and yeah, I get to be all the I get to be all
0: the me's, all the me's. <laughs>
1: you've you've got a lot <laughs> a of very these. weird range. I have
0: a lot of me's. I know
1: it's a beautiful range.
0: <laughs> so tell us about the archetypes and everyone, everyone. Bard RPG is out now. And I know that Scriv will give you a place to find it so that if you want to look it up, you should. You should buy it and you should play (laughs) it. Um, I'll let Scriv talk about the archetypes. But this is a great way to do some really deep thinking about characters and characters' journeys. So say more about the archetypes, please.
1: Yes. So the character, we'll use the word classes. We don't call them classes in Bard RPG. But the character classes that you see like in a typical... TTRPG are based on the 12 Jungian archetypes. So the Jungian archetypes, if you're not familiar, are...
0: Yeah, I was about to say, help me.
1: This is a concept that is tied into both literature and psychology. And these 12 Mm. archetypes, things like hero, creator, rebel, leader, healer, all of those different things, uh, inventor, these are common personas that you can find in almost any story. These are things that to some degree resonate with with people, with us at a core level, which is why you see these personas popping up in both modern and historic, like mythology and folklore as well. Because if you can have a persona, if you can have an avatar of some sort that you can connect to, you're going to be more invested in that story. And if you think about the way early stories and early storytelling was used to convey information and lessons, to warn people, to teach people, having those personas that someone could easily project Mm -hmm. themselves into is very powerful. The way that helps to link both literary analysis and storytelling with psychology. I think if you're a storyteller, to some degree, you have, whether you realize it or not, a fairly inherent understanding of the human mind and and soul, as well, because we all resonate in certain ways with different types of of scenarios and, and storytelling. So these Jungian archetypes have also been used in things like identity psychology and counseling and therapy and all those things that I love. And I really wanted to bring those two worlds together in Bard RPG.
0: So I want to ask you about the, like, how do you help people understand, pick archetypes and shape characters Just... who fit into those archetypes? Um, because that's the magic. Like, you can know that these archetypes are out there, but how do you help somebody figure out, like, okay, who do I want to play? And what right. are they like? And what, what journey will they go on? And what do I want them to <laughs> do? Of or course. how do I want them to change? And you have a cool thing where they can be a hero starting out. But then at the end of their journey, when they complete their heroic journey, they can shift because honestly, growth never stops, right? You, you, they can become a different archetype.
1: Absolutely. So instead of presenting the 12 archetypes as just 12 standard classes, mm-hmm. I've split them up into six and six. So you start when you create your character, you create your own unique archetype. You start with your will sub archetype. What are your motivations or your character's motivations? What are the things your drive. that drive you? Yes, you have to have your drive. Yeah. Because so often in life, we act first and we think later. And I wanted to emphasize the reverse with this. Because when it comes to reflection and growth, you, you want to really think about your actions deliberately.
0: Yeah. And I always think of this like, I'm, uh, think, I think of author and avatar, right? Avatar is when you play as the character. Author is when you think about your character like a, like a narrator, right? And and oftentimes as people, we're we're trapped in our own heads. So we're always our avatars. We don't think about like we'll do stuff. And if you ask somebody like, why'd you do that? They're like, I don't know. Like, I don't really what know what character I did would that do. <laughs> but that's yeah, right, right. But that's that's what's so great about starting with, hey, not necessarily that your character will know this. This is not something your character is necessarily even conscious of, but why do they do mm-hmm. what they do? What, what are they really looking for? Right. Are they looking for love or belonging? Are they looking for pride and confidence because mm-hmm. they don't have any? Uh, are they looking for glory or acclaim because they're they're worried they don't fit in? Are they, you know, all these things. Yeah.
1: And it could be interpreted in so many different ways. So, for example, uh, the creator as a will sub archetype. Mm-hmm. You're driven by a desire to transform something, to remake. You're mm. clever. You're self-sufficient. Ah, I love it. Maybe sometimes you can overcomplicate problems, but you want to transform things. And and that is your drive. That's your motivation compared to maybe the rebel. You Mm -hmm. like to break things down, not always in a negative way, but you're a provocateur, right? You like to go against the grain and you like to challenge the status quo. So here you have two archetypes that are both very transformative, but with different perspectives, different Different ways, different drives of going about it. Exactly. Different impulses. So once you have that, and there are others, but I'll let you read the game. Then you go into your ability sub-archetype. So your ability sub-archetype is how you interact with the world around you. What are the actions Mm. that you use to manifest that drive and that, that will sub-archetype. So that would be things like the explorer. You're a daring adventurer. You love, uh, you know, physical challenges and your survival skills, all of those different things or you could be a caregiver. and you like to use the different technical or supernatural skills at your disposal to help and heal and protect. So and and each of these archetypes, they're written in a way, and this is part of why I wanted to use the Jungian archetypes as a base, they are not coded for any specific genre. Any genre mm. can have an explorer, a caregiver, Magician, entertainer, yes. and even magician doesn't necessarily mean fantasy. That's not necessarily a wizard, but you like to uh, go beyond the the typical abilities that are just right there in front of you. Again, a very transformative kind of uh, ability sub archetype this time, and something that I wanted to have with with it being a genre agnostic kind of game, I wanted people to be able to take a type of story that they love, if they want to even just use some, even something that's already existing out there, uh, say you love Studio Ghibli. I want to yeah. create an archetype based on, and we talk about this a lot with Kisha Tenketsu, based on Kiki and Kiki's delivery yes. service. Or, oh, or Mononoke no Hime, you know, but these archetypes exist everywhere. So I promise you any character you can think of you can translate into an archetypal combination mm-hmm. and use that as inspiration on in Bard RPG.
0: That's so cool. I'm, I'm sorry. I just I I love the the approach, and I love that it really gets you as a player thinking about your character's story and mm. how to be that character and what you want to be when you're that character before you even hit the ground and in, in the game. And and it's very it, this the best part about all of this. I know we've. We've talked about all these fancy things. Genre agnostic just means it's not tied to any specific setting. Like it yeah. doesn't have to be sci-fi. It doesn't have to be fantasy. It means it it right. doesn't take a... It, it's not t- attached to any particular world. It can be any world. Um, sort of like Stories RPG, um, you know, it, it gives you the freedom yes. that we can play how we want to, right? But uh, the coolest part about Barty RPG is all this deep thought. You know you are doing magical things as a game designer when... Uh, you do all this deep thinking and these, these sort of like complex, you know, you're trying to convey these complex ideas and it's really simple to play. You just pick it up and it feels
1: easy. (laughs) There's only 89 pages and that's with sample adventures in it. It's a short guidebook.
0: (laughs) 89 pages. And you're already like, you know, you're, you're accessing Jungian archetypes and like, you know, (laughs) I, I, I don't know. I'm very impressed Um, And for everybody listening, there's this old line, which I think about a lot, and it's definitely a compliment that is intended for you, Scriv, uh, regardless of when it was written. It's often ascribed to Mark Twain, but it's, uh, if I had more time, I would have written a shorter letter. Um, It's more difficult (laughs) to write a shorter thing um, because it's always easy to waste words. Um, And even when we're doing our episodes together, it's always harder to to make short episodes and put a button mm-hmm. in it and make everything happen really quickly and then mm, be done because that requires you to be very focused, very clean, very careful about what you say and what you don't, and make sure every word yep. counts. So
1: that was the hardest part of writing this book <laughs> of having yes. things concise because when you're when yep. you're designing for all ages, you don't want to use big fluffy words. You want to present something. You know, so there is a little bit of a, a description on what the Jungian archetypes are, but those are all like flavor text. If you want to read them, you don't need yep. to know what the archetypes are in order to make use of them and and use them in your game. Uh, it, it's meant to be very. I was very careful with the words used and the and how it was laid out because I, I want anyone, whether you are young. Uh, old, new to TTRPGs. Whether you you're a veteran of this type of gaming for years, you know whatever it is, it should be easy to to learn. There shouldn't be hurdles.
0: If you can't just well, I mean storytelling is such a natural thing. Everybody does make believe from the get go. Um, you know all we're doing with making rules about it is trying to make your games last longer. And, and be more exciting and profound, I think, and yeah. which is its own complicated thing, but it's, it's not at its base. It's not, it's not a complicated <laughs> thing. Everybody's done it. We all did it. We did it for years. There's no reason you shouldn't keep doing it. Adults who are listening, consider this your challenge. Go play with, with everybody in your life. That's right. Other adults, your kids. Go on, go play do it. Play pretend. You won't regret it.
1: It's such a good thing. And you know, in some ways we already do. So I, I like to do LARP as well, live action role play. Oh, and wow. lately I've, I've in some ways begun to even see my day job as a LARP. Because <laughs> you, you put on a different persona. Because you put on your work clothes. That could be a yep. costume <laughs> it, depending on how you look at it, you're cosplaying a business person for some of us yep. and you go to work and you, you have a certain set of rules and a certain kind of mechan- uh, style of mechanics that you follow in the office place. And then you leave work. And I know for me, I, that's when I, you know, let the hair down and <laughs> take it off and relax. Yeah. And I <laughs> become a different version of myself. That doesn't mean any of these versions of yourself are false or fake, they're just different aspects. So you're playing different characters throughout your life.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's so true, and I feel like practicing that is something that has definitely helped me figure out um, which parts of myself I love and want to amplify in certain circumstances, and which parts of myself I I, I want to moderate. But you know, that doesn't mean not accepting them. I'm going to accept really? them, but I'm going to you know. But I've I've found out interesting things about myself uh, through role playing, where I'm like, okay. You know, totally. I, I, my skeezy little fidget, who is in almost every one of my games that I, you know, in one form or another, who's a little goblin character. He's kind of shameless, and but but in a nice mm-hmm. way. Uh, he's he's kind of energetic and, and yeah. ridiculous, but he never <laughs> m- means anybody any harm. What's a good What's a good question? To end. Do you have any advice mm. for folks at home? I mean, you just gave it. Play pretend. Um, is there anything else you would tell them to do?
1: Um. Let's see.
0: Oh, and wait. Hold on. I just oh, wanted to yeah. say this as a visual for everyone at home. Scriv in the, in the, in the video, just leaned her head on her hand and there's a, a tattoo of a quill pen on her forearm, oh. which I just thought was the coolest way <laughs> of emphasizing like.
1: It's my trademark writing right. quill. Like it
0: was such a great, like, I was like, let me think about how to give you advice as a writer. Let me lean on my <laughs> quill pen tattoo. I was like, look at you. Too cool for school.
1: Oh my gosh. That's awesome. That that writing quill is somehow incorporated in everything that and it's in the Bard RPG <laughs> logo too, and like the very early stages of the my own screw the bard logo. It it just That's it's awesome. always there. <laughs> um so advice. So through things like like the tattered bear consultation and talking to other people in the community, the things that I typically recommend the most are don't be afraid to play pretend, Yay. right? Like like we just said, um, consume stories, consume, consume, consume <laughs> all, the, all stories. the stories you can. If you hit writer's block, if you are running into, you know, challenges, like something just isn't quite clicking, go watch movies, play video games, play other types of TTRPGs, listen to podcasts. It does not have to be the same medium that you are creating in graphic novels. I love them. And the other one, and we've kind of covered it already, create something that you enjoy. Because I guarantee there are going to be other people out there who like it. And the Mm -hmm. audience, the, the people engaging with your story, they can see, hear, feel, taste the passion when you are passionate about what you are creating. I have not, thankfully, not many occasions, but there have been times in the past where I'll start reading a book and I think this character is, is Mm -hmm. cardboard. They're they're not reacting to anything. They're, they're static and it feels like, you know, the writer didn't Mm -hmm. care about what they were writing. And that's the only time I ever put something down and I can't read something because it feels. Yep planned and it feels like you're not excited about it. So regardless of what it is, no matter how crazy you may think your idea is, if you're passionate about it, if you can find a way to loop in your own interests and and goals and ideals into your creation, your story, it'll be that much better for it. and, And people will receive it.
0: Awesome. That's excellent advice. Everyone take all of Scrooge's advice all the time.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, why don't you tell everybody
0: where they can find BARD RPGs so that they can go out there, buy this, and play yeah. it? Yeah.
1: Well, hopefully, uh, even by the time this episode is out in the wild, there might still be some community mm-hmm. copies available. So, BARD RPG is being sold exclusively through uh, Tattered Bear. So, tatteredbear.com that is where you can find Bard RPG and everything else I create in the future, because I I am also a consultant editor and a production manager for Tattered Bear Publishing Company.
0: (laughs) And so, yes. So if you don't know, Tattered Bear Publishing is this unbelievably cool uh, game and, and sort of game tool and game book and, and really like storytelling publishing. Um, company for all ages and they have a whole bunch of amazing products and the team is all lovely human beings and you will probably hear from more of them here. Um, And uh, yeah, could not recommend it highly enough. So, Thank you so much for being willing to come on and talk stories with
1: me. Thank you. Always. This was so nice. Yay! Yeah, anytime.
0: Oh, don't, don't, don't tempt me. I'm gonna. I, they don't offer me things you can't follow through. You know through.
1: how often we have these conversations not on a podcast. This is true. It's nice okay, Nice we can that's actually fair. somehow fit them onto <laughs> we can, a podcast we just, too. We just we need talk to press about record. This anyway. We just need to press record. That's right. No, you're right. This you're ain't right. just for the camera, folks. <laughs>
0: Well, much love and thank you so much. And everybody out there, go check it out. Tatteredbear.com. Check out Bard RPG to get a little bit deeper on how you tell stories about your characters. Much love, everyone.
1: Bye. Bye.